This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing and collaborative storytelling. Recorded Thursday, April 4th of 2019, it's episode 150. In this episode, why we love games, plus 150 episodes of Saving the Game, our favorite episodes so far, Marengo Happy Hour with Peter, Patrick Tyler Vampire and the Gauntlet, and much, much more. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Jenny. It's episode 150. Woo! Boo, 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 woo! Yes, that, that's an air horn you hear in the distance. Sorry about that. <laughs> we've been at this for a while. And we've guys. never used a hair horn sound Especially you and me, Grant. We've been at this for coming up on seven years. Mm-hmm. Jenny, since I'm editing this episode, I promise I'll put an air horn effect in right here. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome yeah nearly seven years that's that's a long time it is oof <laughs> not gonna lie it's <laughs> it's the kind of week where i go i'm sorry i i've given how much time to this so. <laughs> just so many so yeah. many time uh but yeah we've we've been at this 150 official episodes now uh we've got more with bonus episodes and this then two-parters and so on and so forth but yeah 150 numbered official episodes and that feels really good so we do want to thank a few people uh specifically everyone <laughs> we want to thank our listeners we obviously cannot do this without you actually consuming the show and enjoying the show if that didn't happen we would not be doing it. Uh, we also want to thank our Patreon supporters for giving us financial assistance to keep the show hosted and on the air and pay for some editing and keep our website up and get us out to Equipment cons, upgrades. Equipment and- upgrades, all that good stuff. Uh, everybody who advocates for our show, who shares us around, whether in social media or in person or anywhere around, we really appreciate that. That helps a ton. Our Discord community, which is obviously mostly listeners, but is a really good tight-knit group that talks and and has good conversations Mm -hmm. Uh, all of our previous guest hosts which are all awesome people and many of whom have been doing some really tremendous things go back through our list of guest episodes and like don't even play the episode necessarily but go find those people on social media probably through the links that we've got in the show notes and see what they're doing because it seems like all of them are doing really cool things and we Mm -hmm. can take exactly zero credit for it yeah they're fantastic and we also want to thank the greater community of christian geek creators that are out there, folks who have encouraged us along the way, contributed, and just helped make a space for the sort of thing we do. Mm -hmm. All fantastic. Yeah. And then there's some special extra extreme double plus thanks that we owe to a few people in particular. So first person on this list probably isn't going to be much of a surprise. Uh, Mike Perna over at Inroads Ministry and uh, the rest of the Inroads Ministry crew, thank you so much for um, being there and being supportive with us basically from day one helping us kind of get integrated into that greater community of Christian geek creators. Along the same lines, uh, Derek the Geek Preacher White, thank you for doing the exact same things, guesting multiple times, just being a great friend and kind of a mentor to us. The MinMax podcast, all three of you, thank you for being like another podcast in the same space that we can actually like be friends with and bounce stuff off of. And I can meet most of you in person and I still need to meet Kyle, but I got two of them. City on a Hill, Ryan Felton in particular, thank you for being like a Christian actual play. That was something that we wanted in the space for a long time, and mm-hmm. you you stepped up and did it, so thank you so much. Uh, the Gameable Podcast, not specifically Christian geek culture, but very good friends of ours. You've been fantastic every time we've had you on. Just wonderful people. And then finally, the Bodana Group and Jack Birkenstock in particular for just doing awesome things with the hobby and being great friends as well. Yeah. Yeah. All fantastic people. And we're looking forward to, oh God, the next seven years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And hopefully next time we'll have an even longer list of specific people. One will hope. All right. I don't think we have a lot of podcast business to take care of tonight, other than perhaps mentioning that there will be a cat. Normally we say there may be a cat. There will be a cat. Uh, hey, Grant, mm-hmm. I'm not even joking. She just left the room. <laughs> you know what? Of course she did. I'm not going to retract it. <laughs> I know this cat now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this, this cat is biding its time. <laughs> yeah. 
It was so perfectly. <laughs> as soon as as you said there will be a cat, I just saw her tail go around the corner. I'm like, oh. <laughs> She's like, oh yeah, human. I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> well, just rolls off and off. I, yeah. I have I have faith in the Goblin Queen. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure she'll come back and vindicate me here. Oh oh, she just did. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There will be a cat. There, there will, will probably be more cat. That's yes. How we there do. was a cat. Tell her her payment's <laughs> on the way. Uh, <laughs> before we really get into our, our topic, which we're going to keep real casual, I have no idea how long this episode is going to go. It may be really short. It may be super long. I have no idea. It will be rambly. Uh, absolutely yeah. it will. Because and full of tangents. Cutting down on our, the outline yeah, a bit. Our, our outline is like a paragraph this time instead of the usual two to five pages of notes. Yeah. yeah. But I do want to tell a, a quick story. I have been struggling with the vampire game I've been trying to start. Like struggling really hard to the point where I had a really bad panic attack and had an upset stomach and ulcers. It was awful. It wasn't just that, but it was a major contributing factor. It was not great. Finally sat down and I was like, okay, I need, I need to call in some experts. So I did. I got two friends who are both very familiar with World of Darkness and who are not in this game, but who know most of the players. They're from the group that I used to play with. I say used to, I still do, just not with these two, unfortunately, because of our schedules. And anybody who is familiar with The Gauntlet which is the indie RPG community out there that's fantastic and strongly recommended and which I will link in the show notes. Uh, you guys will know Patrick and Tyler, and they are awesome GMs. Tyler is the one who ran the ages-long mage game that is part of a much larger Vampire Chronicle. Um, <laughs> and then Patrick ran the fantastic Fellowship game that I've talked about on the podcast before. So I called them in and sat down. I was like, guys... What does vampire look like? And, you know, we had this good conversation about it. And so we had a really good kind of final planning session. And now I think this game is actually ready to go because I feel like I know what a vampire campaign is supposed to look like and feel like and involve. And that has been really helpful. So I want to give them a big thank you. And if anybody's interested in them, go check out the gauntlet. You'll be sure to uh, see them and hear people singing their praises as GMs. I bet they would be happy to uh, have people go check out the gauntlet instead of them directly because they're both huge fans of the gauntlet. All right, then. Let's go ahead and roll on our Patreon question table. I should roll a die where I can see it. That would be super helpful. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. I literally rolled it underneath the microphone. It's oh, kind of amazing. Hey. This is, I did not plan this, but this is actually kind of perfect. Mm -hmm. This comes from Kenning. What is your favorite episode of this podcast so far? Saints. I loved doing the Saints episode. I listen to the Saints episode when I go on road trips still. I loved doing that episode. I had a very strong fun time. choice. Strong choice. It's a real toss up, but see my my three leading contenders are nothing like each other. It's the the Myth of Redemptive Violence episode that we did with Derek White. The moral accountability two-parter we did with MinMax, mm, yeah. and the moral universe one that we did with Gameable. Mm. Also strong. Okay. I think the moral universe one is going to win out by just a hair, because I've gone back and re-listened to that one multiple times when doing like game prep and stuff myself. So I think that's going to get the number one slot, but it's it's really savagely fought for that position. <laughs> Yeah. I, okay. So I'm a little biased because my wife has been on a couple of times and it's really hard to not pick those episodes. Um, <laughs> and, but I do actually- They were good episodes too. You know, the one that I, I really enjoyed was actually the fitness one because it was a little outside of our wheelhouse, but it was a really good conversation with not just Chrissy, but also uh, with Kimmy and Chris. It was a fascinating conversation. Obviously, you know, we got super into it. It turned that into a two-parter for good reason. The other one that I think I actually really enjoy, and this is fairly recent, is the six clickbaity GMing traditions we need to stop <laughs> episode. That one was fun, yeah, too. Yeah, that one was fun, too. I, I enjoyed that, and I think... Got a lot of ranting out of our system in that one. Yeah, we did, but it was also a really good one. But I mean, there's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of them. It's hard for me to remember all of them. Hey, 150 episodes, ha-ha! Haven't said that enough this time, but plus like what about 16 or 18 bonus episodes and several mm -hmm. additional 
you know, of two-parters and stuff. Yeah, I think we're up to eight, 18 I think we number the two-parters separately, don't we? We, we are inconsistent okay, so about that. Here, cool. Yeah, here's the thing. I, I checked, and um, we had, I believe, 172 things under the episode header on our website. There okay. we go. So we're like 22 episodes behind on this episode, is what we're actually saying. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Something yeah. like. But anyway, yes. 173, actually. I'm sorry. Oh, wow. That one. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of good ones, but I think those are probably my favorite three. If I had to pick, I would probably say the GMing Traditions one, although the entire Virtues and Vices series has a, a very special place in my heart as well. Yeah, that was cool. So there we go. Kenning, thank you very much. Really appreciate that. If you want to ask your own questions, you can join us at patreon.com slash saving the game and help support the show for as little as a dollar a month. And you can get questions read on air. You can just add it to our table and we'll roll them randomly just like we did. And as you know, having heard the start of the show, Patreon support helps keep our hosting up. It keeps our blog up. It keeps us going to conventions and replacing microphones and everything that we need to do to keep the show going. It comes from and you guys. going at a, a good level too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have one last piece of podcast business that I neglected because we got going at the top of the hour. Shoot, go for it. I was recently on a local community radio show talking oh, about right. saving the game and related matters. Yes, and it was uh, there, really cool. Yeah, there will be a um, a link in the show notes to that. Uh, the other guys on the show were actually my pastor and two other guys from my church. So... To say that it was a sympathetic audience would <laughs> would be an understatement. <laughs> but um, not not throwing softballs. No, not completely. Definitely really, you know, kind of picked my brain on stuff. And uh, they aren't gamers themselves, so they had a lot of very interesting questions. The, the conversation went to some kind of cool places. And yeah, it was good. So give that a listen. I was very happy with how it turned out. Yes. And of course, we need to mention that our City on a Hill gaming recording continues apace. Next yes. episode is going to hopefully be Ryan, who's the GM of our City on the Hill oh, campaign. Oh, I certainly hope so. Uh, if not, we're going to have him on very soon. We're excited to yeah. make that happen. If you have not listened to City on, on a Hill, what are you even doing with your life? <laughs> like, go check it out. Good. Listening Seriously. to our podcast. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but of course, they also have a new thing that they just started. It's kind of a, a separate series, mini-series. I'm not sure exactly how long it's going to go. I don't want to call it a mini-series. Well, I will call it a mini-series because there's fewer players. How about that? Uh, but sure. it may go just <laughs> as long. I, I don't know. But it's featuring the folks from the Geek at Arms podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's quite good as well. And very different, which is interesting. Hmm, nice. Let's go ahead and do our scripture as well, then. This is Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And I'll take John. This is from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And we have Acts, chapter 2, verses 46 to 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And we have Hebrews ten twenty three to 25 Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as <clears throat> some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So our topic tonight is why we love games. Why we do a podcast about tabletop role-playing games as part of our Christian outreach. Why we play games all the time. Why we follow people on Twitter who, who do these things. Why we're interested in it. Why we love the thing that we do. There's a lot of reasons. Yeah, <laughs> there, really there are. are. <laughs> And as with any hobby, I suspect that there's a lot of it that may sound like inside baseball. And our listeners probably know most of these. But, you know, on the off chance somebody hands this off to someone who doesn't know what role-playing games are, this, I hope, will be a good episode for you. Because you'll understand why we love this hobby and why it brings a lot to us and, you know, why you will hopefully get something out of it as well. Yep. 
And we didn't want to do anything that was even close to a downer for our no. 150th episode. I mean, you heard the scripture we read. That should set the tone yeah. for you. <laughs> I hope it does. Absolutely. And the first thing I want to start with, why why we love games, why I love games in particular here, is that the stories we create in role-playing games can be really good, guys. <laughs> They're yeah. real fun. Yeah. Yeah, I know there's a lot of very high concept things that go into role-playing games and you know, a lot of very deep introspection. We're going to talk about a lot of that, but sometimes they're just really good stories, folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they really are. I mean, I hope you get the sense of that from some of the stuff that I've written in a blog about the Colony game and things. Just being able to step into, you know, the that story and follow, you know, a, a group of characters around who bantered with each other and wrestled with moral quandaries and fought giant snakes in old monasteries. It was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I also think it's good to, and, and this may come off as a little selfish, but it makes the story special. That story is particular to you and the group of people that you played it with. It and is. That's why gaming stories are so hard to tell well, because unfortunately, it's it's, a, it's one of those things where you had to be there. But when you are there, when you are in the room making that story together, and especially once that story has finished and finished well, it's it's so satisfying. Yeah. It is deeply, deeply satisfying to create and finish a good story. Story is a holy gift. I, I will stop saying that when it stops being relevant. <clears throat> That's why actual play is so compelling to so many people, is it's it's a unique story that even if you aren't participating in the creation of, you're not going to get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's absolutely true. There's a lot of actual plays that I feel very attached to as if I were in the campaign, but not really. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of people have that same reaction. It's why they're so popular. It's why like streaming D&D on Twitch is a big thing now. It's crazy. Yeah, uh, I say it's, it's crazy, why but Critical it's also, Role raised millions of dollars in their Crix, or Kickstarter. Yeah, and yeah. You know, I say, oh, it's crazy, but that's almost an, like an instinctive thing that I'm supposed to say. It's not that crazy. Like, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. It frustrates me, perhaps, that we're not bringing in hundreds of thousands of dollars in Kickstarter and, and <laughs> Twitch money, you know. But <laughs> Yeah, because I would rather do this than my day job, for sure. But, <laughs> yeah. but you know. I don't uh, know, guys. I love my day job. <laughs> I, my day job is fine. I had to do a lot of it today when I was homesick. <laughs> so oh. I'm, I'm not feeling it today. But a two hour and 15 minute meeting or whatever, that'll make nobody happy. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, you know, it, and it's interesting. Yes, the story is unique to you, like Jenny said, but also it is shareable and it is shared. It's special to you, but not just to you, to the other people in that group. And oh, yeah. Like, the friends who are, you're like, dude, Jenny's game is just destroying me emotionally. Oh my God. Look, I have to tell you about this. You know, it's it, all because of the, the, the crazy wizard voice. You're, you're making that an NPC that you're running in my Eberron game. I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, too late. It's already an NPC in my, in the, um, the battle the, royale, the battle royale uh, deck game. of many things game. Arena okay. game. Arena game. That's, that's the name of it. I promise I won't tell. He can he can hop universes though. If you really want to. Free NPC. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you're gonna have to pull him out of the afterlife, but you know, GMs <laughs> have dealt with worse. Details. Um but <laughs> stories are fun. I, I wanna stress this. It's not just you know like community and you know the, the community's experience of it and the fact that we are telling a story. The stories that are told, looking at them as stories, can be really good and really interesting and really engaging and also just exciting procedural action adventures or really compelling dramas. I mean, there's a reason why there's a really big anime right now that is based off of that guy's D&D campaign that is still ongoing for the last like 10 years. This is record of whatever? Yeah, record of thingy. It's it's not my record kind of, Lotus of story. War? No, I own Record of Lotus War. That was the original one he did. He's got yeah. another one based off like a more recent D anD D campaign, I think, or maybe the it's, same it's one. a continuation. If I okay. correctly, I know with very the same little about work. anime, so you're lucky that I knew that much. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, Record of Lotus War is not the worst entry point for it if you like D anD D. Frankly, 
I've seen parts of it. Yeah, I agree. It was a long time ago, so I re- remember like nothing other yeah. than the name. But. <laughs> and it is aged anime, but still, it's well aged, like like a cheese, <laughs> and it's cheesy. It's fine. Yeah, it's very cheesy. Um, I had a. I was gonna make a, a food anime joke, and I it went away. Um, the only food anime I know is a atrocious like Chinese knockoff from the early. 2000s uh restaurant to another world is solid okay cooking master boy is not no that's that doesn't sound good no it, i never saw it my group of friends speaks of it with horror we oh. have one of those friends who loves to inflict terrible things on people <laughs> one of those yeah yep. i'm he sorry was you have one of those oh no he's a good guy just that's his joy that and Munchkin. I'm, I'm going. I'm going to stand by my previous statement. You can do with it what you want. Yeah, between that and like loving Munchkin, why was I friends with him? <laughs> no, he's a good guy. Seriously, he's a great guy. So that's that's stories. One of the other things I really enjoy about games is the system. And I know it's kind of weird to talk about system because we're supposed to be all about the story and. As a podcast, generally speaking, we are because we like the content of games and we think the content is important and has measurable effects, which is why we talk about them in a Christian context. Also, none of us are professional game designers. Yeah, but you don't have to be a professional game designer to go, man, this is some really clever dice mechanics. This is a really clever Mm -hmm. thing that I'm doing. This This is a cool game about sign language or a cool game that's using a Jenga tower or burning scraps of paper. It's neat stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indie RPGs in particular have some of the coolest mechanics. Like mechanics that fit in with the theme make me yes. really happy. I got yeah. this recently with um, a board game, actually, with uh, the Miskatonic University board game. Hmm. There's a mechanic where if you draw a second card, you lose a sanity point. And I immediately got it. I was like, oh, if you look at this piece of the sigil for too long, you start to go a little bit nuts right. uh, for, for, for the record miskatonic university is part of a call of cthulhu setting so that's why sanity is is mixed in with the game and stuff like yeah that. yeah um just for those who don't know i didn't know that <laughs> before i backed the kickstarter oh, like, I, I heard that it was a game about eldritch horror in a library and i was like sold when they said library yeah <laughs> and okay. then i found out it was part of part of the official call of cthulhu mythos um Fair anyway it's really satisfying to see theme fit with system in the same way for me that, like, you watch those uh, How It's Made videos and the machines stamping out things in a really smooth way. Like, a, a smooth system that fits in smoothly with the theme. It's sure. really satisfying. Yeah. But there's some really cool stuff like A Scoundrel in the Deep that uses matches. Hmm. Have you have you ever heard of this? This is by I no. think I think you did actually tell me about this. Okay, I think it's by the same guy. No, it's not by him, but it's in Words Without Master, which is Epidia Ravicol's yes. gaming magazine. Yes. Ravicol's the guy who made Dread and is working on Lincoln Green and a few other really good uh, Swords Without Master, all that good stuff. But this is a game where you are like a a sword and sorcery hero who is gone or is going deep within a lightless dungeon basically, ancient ruins or whatever, and you have to, basically, when you're confronted with something, you have to strike a match and hold it as long as you can while you talk and try and explain it before the match burns down to your fingers and you have to drop it. That's the game. You've told me about that mechanic before, but I didn't have the title to go with. Yeah, Scoundrel in the Deep, which the one-shot actual play of Scoundrel in the Deep is intense. It's one-on-one, and it is so good. It's so good. And that's the other cool thing about it. It's a one-on-one game. A, a which, collaborative storytelling game for two adults, a matchbox, and an ashtray. Yeah. Hmm. That's the official wow. tagline. It's so cool. That's a good tagline. We are kind of in a golden age of RPG design. Yeah. It's not new in you know a strict sense. The indie scene has been growing for a while, and the, the real cutting-edge stuff, like some of the really avant-garde... RPGs that are out there, I'm not a huge fan of, but a lot of this stuff, like, you know, Scoundrel in the Deep, for example, where there's no dice, there's this tactile thing happening, there's no group, it's you and a GM, it's a very defined thing that you are doing. I love that stuff. That stuff's so cool Mm -hmm. because it's expanding what role playing games are beyond what they were when I started gaming, even in like 2001, when the indie scene was just kicking off and I'd never heard of any of it. The closest thing I knew to an indie RPG was Unknown Armies. So 
Yeah. It's, it's delightful. Now, I do have to say, I also love dice mechanics. I well, love hang on just a second systems. there. You you bring something up with unknown armies that I want to touch on. Okay, I think it's very cool that we have it's it's gotten like video games, right? You've got basically like the you know the triple A you know the really high production value stuff. This would be like you know your D and D your Monty Cook Games products, you know your Paizo stuff. Mm-hmm. You have this wonderful deep second tier with all of the you know the the great companies like Pelgrane and atlas games and you know publishing things like unknown armies and gumshoe and feng shui and you know all of that stuff and then you've got this really vibrant indie scene down underneath and you know ideas can kind of flow between them and it's just really cool well and they do flow between which is really Mm -hmm. neat yeah because the game industry with a few notable exceptions is like really friendly and communal and you know like the designers at different levels kind of tend to know each other and follow each other and talk and actually treat each other like colleagues rather than enemies like you see in some other industries oh, absolutely and and, and hmm. it's true even of the biggest players so we were talking right before the show about the loading ready run pre pre-release that's coming out for the new magic the gathering war of the spark set uh just to t- date this episode slightly That's not super important what it is, except that Magic the Gathering, of course, is a Wizards of the Coast product. One of the folks that Loading Ready Run, who's a group of internet comedians and streamers that produce fantastic content and are huge into magic, they are doing this pre-release style event before the actual pre-release to kind of show off the set, basically. Yeah, with WotC sponsorship. Right. Because they couldn't do it in any other way. Absolutely. They, They get the cards before they're officially released and all this fun stuff. One of the folks they're having on is Adam Coble, co-designer of Dungeon World. So there's this wizard-sponsored event where they are putting, you know, four guests on, as well as for the Loading Ready Run hosts, and Adam Coble, Dungeon World guy, is going to be playing magic against one of the Magic the Gathering designers at Wizards of the Coast, who also publishes Dungeons and Dragons. It doesn't, like, the barriers are practically not there, and I know that Wizards of the Coast has some of the thickest barriers between them and other parts of the community. Those barriers are still not all that thick compared to a lot of other industries. Mm-hmm. Certainly like yeah. my own industry, giant stone walls. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> yeah. It's really fascinating. Now, I do want to go back a little bit and say that I like dice mechanics. and I like mechanics. They're fun, right? I like playing with systems. I like playing with math where, you know, I tweak one thing and something else happens and I can add things in and play with stuff. I love, I love building complex and mechanically interesting characters. It's fun. And a lot of indie RPGs are designed to get as far away from that as possible, which I respect. But mechanics are also really cool. And I don't want people who enjoy mechanics to feel bad about that enjoyment because I think they're great. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, I used material from, what, about five books to make Nasir for the Eberron game? Yeah. Maybe yeah. even more than that, actually. it was. I've got stuff from the core book, Xanathar's Guide, the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, the Wayfarer's Guide to Eberron. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, there's a lot in there. Yeah, and it feels good. It's fun. Yeah. And he's not some, like, you know, broken ball of cheese, but he's a very interesting character because I was able to draw on all those different sources. Sure. And I, I like... Those moments when I roll dice and something mechanically interesting happens as well as something that's interesting in the story. Yeah. Yeah. And to get back to that, certain like systems are great for that. You know, any of the powered by the apocalypse systems kind of run on that loop, don't they? Yeah, they do. And, you know, the system is sort of simple. The actual die mechanic is roll 2d6 and sometimes roll 3d6 and then tell us what happens, basically, based on that that result, depending on exactly what you roll. But there's a lot of things you have to track it is mechanically satisfying to be like these are my resources i'd better spend them well i'd better do this correctly like that that is satisfying can we also have a little section here in the system bit dedicated to like i i don't know if this is like the proper term for it but but like knock-on effects so like i really really enjoy it video games board games role-playing games doesn't matter where i have a set of abilities that all can feed off of one another if I'd been able to actually play her in combat, <laughs> ah! uh, if I'd ever been able to play Miko in combat, I had a couple of spells that could have knock-on effects with certain abilities and stat things that I had. I love being able to set that kind of thing off. Yeah, that um, kind of synergy and the sense that you are you have basically a, 
a sort of physics engine on your character yeah. sheet instead of something that's purely descriptive. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's actually what really gets me. Well, I'm really looking forward to when I uh, get to level seven with Nasir and all of a sudden hit one of his zero level cantrips does extra things. Yeah. <laughs> so because oh. I've got two different subclasses that both like key off of the spare the dying cantrip and that's going to be cool when mm-hmm. it happens. Yeah. yeah. I remember the Gallister twin that I made, whose first name is currently escaping me, when I was going to get her to high enough level, she'd be a little bit broken. And I, I like that. And it was going to be fun because like in D&D, tieflings are really made for the warlock class and it shows. Yeah. And I, I love it when things are made for other things in a game and they just m- match like a set of gears working together. It's very nice. Yeah. yeah. Just so you know, Jenny, as soon as you said, you know, a little bit broken, my hand just sort of instinctively reached out and tried to hide the 3.5 D&D section of my gaming shelf. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. I, I could not hide that if I wanted to. I was buying gaming books like Gangbusters back in those days. It could take up a bookshelf. Yeah. Um, Let's move on, because there are other things we love about games, and We kind of touched on this one already, but community, there's a really good gaming community and it starts at the table. We talked a little bit about the shared story, but it's not just the story. It's everything that goes on. We have so many in-jokes just from this gaming group, right? That gaming group is tight and that's after adding a couple of people. Yeah, and all that we've done by doing that is add more (laughs) in-jokes. Yeah, we can talk about certain characters and be like, yeah, that was great. You know, that that idea of having these stories that were just for us that we can go back to. But not all the stories we talk about are ones that happened inside the game. Some of them are just ridiculous nonsense that, you know, somebody threw out and had us dying with laughter or, you know, whatever. It's really good that it creates a small group of people who are experiencing emotions together and interacting in very dramatic ways. And it's great. Even the most procedural and tactical tables still have, you know, those moments of, oh man, that time you just happened to roll the, like there was no way we were were getting out of there without a crit and you rolled crit and then a crit again and saved our bacon. Oh, it felt, it was great. Those kind of stories, even though they mean nothing to anyone else, they foster that delightful sense of camaraderie. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Like there's there's a group of seven people that I grew up with where if I say Nick and the Eagle, they will die laughing. <laughs> and that's it. That's all it takes. Because we have that story about Nick and the Eagle and the cliff, and and that's all we need. It's- yeah. Well, and there's a there's another group of people from you know a con game years ago where if i say they're stupid and lucky disrupting this game would be a mercy <laughs> they'll probably laugh at that reference yeah i you know my my home group where i played this 10-year birthright campaign i just saw them a couple weeks ago this campaign ended i think right around the time we started the podcast or just a little bit after we just had somebody throw out patrick Druids can't be poisoned. And the whole group just died laughing. It was great. Mm-hmm. Does that mean anything to you guys? Absolutely no. not. Does it mean anything to any of the listeners? Absolutely not. To us, it's one of the funniest things we can say. That's that's that sort of community feel that you have where, you know, there's these, I want to say shibboleths, but th- these things that just mean so much, right? It's a real sense of joy that's created. Yeah, I mean, we can still throw out jokes about how, you know, Miyako was a projectile more than a character or how what Frost really wanted was an honest day's labor. And we haven't played that Shadowrun game in years. Yeah, Here's an old memory. Here's uh, an almost 20, I'd say about 20 year old memory for me. Ow. That's Mm -hmm. like literally, I think probably my first ever in joke. And it was from an RPG. Perfect. Like, I know, I know that as soon as mom hears this, she's going to be laughing and being like, ah, it's so funny. Is it funny to literally anybody else on the planet? No, probably (laughs) not. not, No, (laughs) I promise my three year old will laugh if you ask him to. Okay. But it's not as fun when you have to ask for the laugh. Well, don't worry. You'll only have to ask once, and then he'll keep laughing at it and saying it over and over. Trust me. I know. 
I've had to tell, <laughs> I've had to yell at him today. Not yell exactly, but speak pretty harshly to stop calling his sister an avocado. It's an avocado. Oh, children. Thanks. Children are weird. I can't wait to start having some of these stories with him. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, we t- we've also talked about this as well, self-exploration. We've talked about some of the, the very serious high drama things that, that role-playing games do for us. One of those things is self-exploration, the idea of exploring parts of ourselves that need to be explored one way or another. Uh, and it's not something you can tell other people to do. You can't be like, Peter, you really need to get into such and such in your personality, maybe in the, in the context of a, a therapeutic sort of session, like, you know, some of our folks who work with that, some of the folks we know, maybe they can do that in a very constrained sort of way where they can bring it up, but you can't go to someone and say, you know, you really need to make a character explore this particular aspect of yourself because you need to work on that. But when you yeah, take, but when but you at bring the same it to the time, yourself. You, yeah. I can sure make Lambert. <laughs> yes, you can. And I sure got a lot of self-exploration out of that character. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. great. And not everybody wants to do this, and not every game is appropriate for it. Like, our our Eberron game is probably not going to be as... Introspective as the colony game yeah, was. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, because we're solving Moida mysteries. I'm sorry, Moida I still let Jenny. Moida mysteries! There we go. We're still yeah, solving whereas Moida the colony mysteries. game, we were like... <laughs> Sorry, Jenny. Yeah, whereas with the colony game, we were like, not to put too fine a point on it, but we were dealing with colonialism and, you know, themes of like, how do like these colonial powers deal with indigenous peoples and vice versa? And, yeah. you know, I mean, it was, it, it got a little deep a few times and it did. You know, it, was, it was interesting. Yeah. And, you know, death and undeath and curses and all sorts of complex yeah. stuff that got yeah. really powerful and it was it was really good yeah and to make it like a little bit smaller i made one of my favorite characters ever a terry specifically to explore the idea of homelessness and not having a home to go back to and having to find your home in your friends i i made a terry for that purpose because i have never once had a, a time in my life where I couldn't have gone home. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like I made a Terry just after I had basically come home from Newfoundland near Penniless because Newfoundland is an expensive place to live sometimes, and I just couldn't stop thinking about what if my parents hadn't been able to take me back in for whatever reason. So, so that's what I used a Terry for. Yeah, and I'm I'm sorry that that game seems to kind of need to be shelved at this point, but eh. it's. Those were some of the best characters I have ever seen anybody make. A Terry All of is, them. I, I have fallen into playing a Terry more easily than any other character I've ever made. Like huh. bar none, and, and that in, that includes in in Grant's game. I'm I'm st- I still don't really know what my character is. Like I I don't have a voice for him yet. Ganelon well, is, fair, is just a harder Ganelon voice is for me. Very to get different into. from you. So y- yes, but. I, I don't know. A Terry kind of is too, but like I, I'm always ex- expanding off of myself when I make a character. Mm-hmm. Always, always. I, I don't think I get it across very often because I talk about the three brick walls between me and my own character, right? Where it's like my character can die and I'm relatively unaffected compared to most people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do take a lot from myself when I make a character still. Even, even Ganelon to an extent. I can only remove a character from myself so much when I'm playing a character, which is I, which well, is. I think that's all of us to a certain extent. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I'm 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 talking sort of generally here, which is why role playing games are such a good mode for self exploration because you can only remove yourself so far when you are role playing, and I think I feel like the deeper you go into role play, the more affected you can be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I do think it's it's um. This gets into one of the things that I appreciate about it. It's a creative outlet in so many ways at pretty much every stage of the process. Like making a character is a creative process and sitting there playing at the table is creative. And creativity is really good for humans, folks. Like having some kind of a creative outlet, preferably more than one actually, is just good for like your mental health and sanity. And role-playing is one, and it's it's one that you can have a lot of fun with and do together, and I have gotten a tremendous amount of value out of that over the years, especially, 
I have recently, not even really intentionally, started branching a little further afield from myself than I had previously with some of my current characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bertrand and Nasir are substantially more different from me than Frost or Lambert were. And that's an interesting experience. I think similarly, for me, it's it's less, on a less emotional side of that coin, it's it's stimulation and it, it keeps me sharp. Like I notice myself when I'm in a regular game, I am more able to express myself verbally. I am I, I feel smarter. I feel like I do smart, smart things when I am regularly gaming and I'm regularly mentally stimulated like that. Um, yeah. Like mentally, socially, emotionally stimulated like that. It, it keeps me feeling very sharp. And I like that. Yeah. I mean, Chrissy and I have a better marriage when we've been gaming together regularly. Yeah, I I have better friendships with you guys when we get to game together regularly. Yeah. And I don't struggle with this a huge amount, but I feel like my mental health is better just getting a chance to game regularly. Yeah. I I will not say that, but that's because I GM. (laughs) I am, as somebody who suffers from anxiety, often very worried about the game. But when I'm on, it feels great, right? I'm, I'm knocking everything out. It feels really good. And when I am playing... Oh man, it feels it feels good to have a good game session. It's almost like a workout, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where you come back and you're like, you know, I'm I'm tired, I'm kind of spent mentally and maybe emotionally, but I feel really good. That was a lot of fun. Get you know, wake up the next day. Oh man, I'm I'm, I'm going. I, I feel good about it. Yeah. That I mean, that first session of the Eberron game. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. For me, I was kind of already mentally spent from the day on that one. I feel bad about this. I barely remember the first session. (laughs) I was just so spent that day. I I barely get through it, and I I feel bad about that. And it's not a constant thing. There are days when I go to the gym where I feel awful, and Mm -hmm. it's just like, I'm going to kind of do what I can and and get it done. And then there are days when I walk out of the gym, I'm just, I'm strutting and swaggering and I feel great. Oh man, I feel swole. Oh, whatever, right? (laughs) Anybody who's looked at me will go, you swole, really? But, you know, listen, we're talking about inner dialogue here, right? Yeah, I get a a similar thing out of my meditation occasionally, you know? It's like I'll sometimes have a good session, I'll come out and like... I feel all like, you know, refreshed and everything. And sometimes it's like I sat there with my eyes closed for 10 minutes and got nothing out of it. Sure. Mm-hmm. And gaming is the same way. And that sounds kind of weird and awkward, but when it works, oh, it feels it feels really good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, I, w- I would call it a quite literal men- mental workout, mm-hmm. like full yeah. brain workout. You're working every brain muscle your brain has. Sure. Because you're sometimes- using your maths, you're using your words, you're, you're, you're making using all the bits. Decision fatigue is a real thing, mm-hmm. but when you're exercising that, it does feel good. Now, if you come into it having spent all of your decision making for the day, it can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't game on Mondays anymore, because Mondays are uh, after school club at work for me. And that is hurting about 25 kids all by my lonesome because the parents are no help. Uh- yeah, well, that's true. Oh yeah. Says the most parents. of the most of the parents are are absolutely <laughs> lovely, but every now and then the parents are just sort of off in their corner. I'm hurting children, and then well, you realize that's because the parents months, are going, "Oh my god!" For ten minutes, I don't have to herd my children. Thank you, library worker. Thank <laughs> you. God, here's bless. the thing: that should be the babysitter. I'm not a babysitter. Like no. I literally could got. just eject most of those kids. Le- like legally speaking, I could just be like, "Get out." Because you're not being supervised, and I'm not allowed to supervise you, so, like, solo. Oh, I know. That, but, that's literally part of my job description. But, you know, but, any break a parent gets, believe me. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> but, wow, I wish they'd do it somewhere else sometimes. I, I understand. <laughs> yeah. It, it'd be fine if it was just, like, one family. I'm fine with that. But I've got 25 to 30 kids. Yeah, no, that's, that's awful. Absolutely. And I'm not a teacher. So... Anyway, having to go to to a, a full like four hour, three four hour gaming session after that, I couldn't do it mm, because no. I'd had to make already like fifty major judgments already, and I I just couldn't do it. So I can't game on Mondays anymore. Sure, it was also cutting into my grades and school and stuff. But right. there's only so much energy in in my body. <laughs> 
and in my brain. And well, we're glad you're sharing some of it with us tonight. So yes, today was easy. Thursdays are really easy. Well, it's a good thing that's our standard recording day. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh oh, like no, no joke. When I first found out about this job, I was like, oh, these schedule things are not going to interfere with recording. So that's a good job. And that's probably <laughs> nice. why I went for it. We appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. So one other thing that's that's I know is very specific to me that makes me love gaming is I kind of owe most of my life outside of like work to it. <laughs> <laughs> If you trace my, you know, if you go back in time and trace back through various events and stuff, what led to what, you get to this time where I walked into a used bookstore back when I was high school and bought a ratty, beat up old, fallen apart now, but still in my closet somewhere, copy of the GURPS 3rd Edition Basic Set. And the whole trajectory of my life changed there. <laughs> I had never roleplayed before, and reading that made me want to try. And trying roleplaying led to friendships and community and becoming a published writer because I knew the people who did the Sojourn anthology. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, the first time I ever got published was in a GURPS book. Um, I didn't make any money off of it. I just got a free copy of the, the book. But then, like, the first paying writing gig that I ever had was because I knew people from the Fear the Boot community. This podcast came out of that same writing group. Yeah. All of these people I've talked to, stuff that I've done, experiences that I've had, relationships that enrich my life, narrow it all down. It all goes back to grabbing that one role-playing book off of a shelf in a used bookstore back in 1990-something. I mean, Jenny and I can both credit our relationships with significant others to gaming. Yeah. 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 I can credit mine directly to the Fear the Boot community. Right. And so. yeah. mine is, you know, I was at a friend's house gaming and Chrissy stopped by trick or treat uh, to show off her trick or treat loot that she'd gotten from the dorms at Furman, which was hilarious because <laughs> fun fact for those of you who haven't gone to college yet. Most of the time, the girls in the dorms are prepared. They've gotten the candy. They're all set. The guys, when you go trick or treating, go, oh, hold on. And then like throw you a can of soup because they have <laughs> prepared nothing and have no idea what's going on. Here's a sock. <laughs> Y'all did trick-or-treating in the dorms? Uh, I think uh, specifically Chrissy and her friend who's actually in the vampire game, they went trick-or-treating together just kind of as a gag. It was okay. an excuse to get in a costume and go run around the dorms and have fun. Fun fact, Chrissy, you know, she stopped by to, sh uh, to sh her friend's place to show off uh, the loot and laugh about it, saw me and was like, okay, I'm interested. I got invited over. We talked, had a great conversation, t hit it off. It was great. The person she was trick-or-treating with is also now married to the friend that I was gaming with. <laughs> so, good times. Two marriages came out of that little interaction. Exactly. So, there you go. I, and, you I'm know, just it, still astonished that you guys had enough money as college students to buy candy and do trick-or-treating in the dorm. Okay. I did not. I want to okay. make that clear. Okay. Furman is... There's a reason they call it the Ivy League of the South, and it's not just mm. because it's a pretty good school. Okay. Chrissy's a, a Southern girl from a, a family that didn't have a lot of money, right? She got in based off the fact that her mother and her grandfather had both gone to Furman, and she had straight A's and had absolutely earned all of her scholarships. Her roommate shows up and said, well, good news. I got us matching monogrammed bedsheets and everything. What? <laughs> Oh, and you know, here's a picture of me and my boyfriend on our yacht and yada, yada, yada. Uh, yeah. So culture clash. So Furman was the kind of place you could you could sort of expect that at least somebody would have bought candy. So some of the students are like, I have money and my money has its own money that is not but, but, also you know my what? money. They didn't have that attitude. <laughs> That's the thing. Nobody there had that kind of They attitude. were just from that socioeconomic strata yeah, is more exactly. what I was like, getting they were at. Good people, by and large. Yeah. But again, you go down the dorms and like the girls have everything prepared. They're there. They know holidays. They've got everything set up. The guys are like, hey, what? Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, hold on. L let me see what I've got. And then, you know, Chris is like, yeah, and here's my can of soup. And I got a bag of saltines to go with it. So there we go. You know. <laughs> So <laughs> here's an eraser, which is not in the same theme. <laughs> yeah, it was, just, it was pretty funny. 
the, the other thing that I think that we would be remiss being us that we didn't mention is one of the things that I love about gaming, and I'm pretty sure you guys do too. It's amazing how much this hobby can be used for good, guys. Yeah. Like, there's people doing, like, actual legit therapy with gaming, and there's, like, academics out there doing, like, deep psychological and sociological research on it, and Mm -hmm. it's really, really cool. Oh, it's There's, like, ministries, not just ours, that exist based around this, and it's it's amazing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's great fun. Hey, Kat. Wow. I I think she just said hi. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's why we game. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anybody has anybody got anything else on this, uh, fellowship with other Christians, like sure. that sort of fits in with the community thing. But like one of the longest running gaming groups I had, we all met at church, and it's so good to have that sort of set shared boundary. Almost like we know that as Christians who go to the same church, we aren't going to do certain things because it's not in our moral and ethical framework framework thank you to do that certain kinds of things in games so we mm. we already had certain lines and veils set up right from the start and that was so very valuable especially when i was th- that was middle school for me so that was like a, a really awkward time of my life but to have that sort of that framework to start off with was was really really valuable yeah absolutely all right. Well, that's why we game, folks. And I want to hear if there's anything else that you have as listeners. If there's anything that we didn't mention that is why you game. It, gaming's awesome. Yeah, really is. All right. If you like this episode, if you like our other episodes, share us around on social media. Review us on iTunes. Find us on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, RPGpodcast.com. We're, uh, we're all over the place. Easy to find. And, you know, follow us on social media if you aren't already. Twitter.com. Saving the game. Facebook.com, saving the game. We're out there. Our website's stgcast.org. Go find all of our past episodes there. Find all of Peter's excellent blog posts that he writes. Find our link to our Discord, which is full of fantastic people to chat with. Yep. Come join the fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And from all of us here at Saving the Game, have a good one. Take it easy. We'll catch you next time. See you later, folks. See ya. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, share-alike license. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nihilor.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good, and happy gaming.